What are we Good morning, YouTube. Good morning, world. <laughs> We're live. All right, so we'll start in prayer, then we'll get into the Bumaya. That sounds great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Loving God, we praise you and thank you on this day and pray for your spirit to be upon us as we pray come Holy Spirit come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary your well-beloved spouse come Holy Spirit come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary your well-beloved spouse come Holy Spirit come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary your well-beloved spouse in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen all right Bumbaya. <laughs> you said you had one, so. Well, I was, I was debating which one to go with. Um, so many. I heard things. a really good interview with Tim Tebow on The Catholic Guy yesterday, and it was just really inspirational in terms of, uh, he's just a heck of a guy down to earth. Just uh, really interesting to listen to. But instead, I think I'll probably share, um, I had a really cool experience um, with this week with um, what it's like if you put effort into preparing something <laughs> like before before like the the day that you're supposed to do it um and then it was actually last night I was getting ready for a, a workshop that's going on today it's kind of a little introduction into uh what we're talking about and uh the speaker who we invited to come in and and help put on the workshop um insisted that we look at the space and actually like set up <laughs> ahead of time and I was like well I normally would just do that tomorrow in the morning it starts at 8 30 you'd start about 8 25 <laughs> <laughs> no I would have started by 7 30 no way yeah no, yeah it doesn't happen with you no I would have easily I mean an hour is solid that's a solid hour of preparation father we but we start this podcast. We're supposed to start at six, and you showed up at. Oh my goodness! Oh, like you just up at me. Whatever. So anyway, it's time good. to Bill show up. Yeah, five fifty-five. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, we were here at the same time. But I was already mentally prepared. So was I. Uh huh. So um. No, it's cool. It was a good experience of uh, what happens when you actually do something ahead of time, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to happen again. Oh, but. man, I was hoping this is like a new habit. So that should be your Lenten habit is to be. Uh, so my boom by as as a thank you to Sarah Hernick for uh, for pushing you to not pushing, <laughs> pushing me to do some stuff ahead of time. Why don't you why don't you introduce our special guest? Our special guest. I don't like the word special. <laughs> yeah, when it's not applied it. to you, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You do need to move your microphone. You're. Microphone is right in front of her face, so nobody can even see. Oh, I was hoping it was in front of your face, Cody. I know. I, I do understand this. Exactly. Is that better? It's fine. Yeah, you can just put it. That's yeah. fine. See, now you're... <laughs> Father didn't want to share his microphone this morning, by the way, because then it would take... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> we are... Uh, nobody on air can see this, but it's kind of... <laughs> It's quite comical watching Father try to move this mic around. I don't think it's that okay. funny, actually. So uh, we are very happy to have as our special guest this week, Sarah Herinick, uh, who I've actually known. I think I, th I was thinking about this. Like I think I met you when you were either 
18 or just turning 19 because you would have been your first year at Benedictine College. Because, yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know if I met you before September 18th that first year. Wow, good job remembering. Yeah, it's birthday. Like, That's I, Yeah, I had to look that up. <laughs> Facebook stuff. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but anyway, so uh, kind of cool for 20 years, basically, ish. Um, We're so sorry. <laughs> so I was transferring into Benedictine College when she was coming into Benedictine College as a freshman. Um, and I think, you know, I, I just more or less transformed her life. And <laughs> so we changed There's the so much, There's so much truth to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, single-handedly, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm just bologna, bologna and cheesing, bologna sandwiching. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, so we're we're happy to have her. She uh, has served as a focused missionary um, for a number of years and has done, I think, uh, some great things in terms of working in evangelization and and. Uh, small group Bible studies, small group faith sharing groups, um, both where she and her husband, Clint Herenic, shout out to Clint this morning. I don't know if he's listening or not, but if you are Clint, it's great. Very good to have you as one of our <laughs> three listeners this morning. <laughs> I don't know, that might be kind of high. It's probably two, but anyways. It's right on the screen. Three. There you go. Yeah, Karen's probably up listening this morning. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anyways, uh, they lived in Colby for a while. Now, now reside in Beloit for a while, and uh, I think doing great things in, in both of those places. Um, so, anyway, I thought we could just, uh, as we've done in the past with special guests. Why does that sound weird? <laughs> special guest. I feel like that's like it's like we have unspecial guests. <laughs> yeah, this one's <laughs> like we reached someone out. We're like, uh, this is just a guest, just a regular. <laughs> <laughs> but this week, but this one is special. Special. <laughs> special. Um, so, I thought maybe she could just tell us a little bit because as we're talking today, uh, what was the name that you gave it? Uh, Do you want to win? Do you want to win, baby? Yeah. Um, is. Sort of that that question of uh, do you want to win souls for Christ, which is ultimately our, our overarching purpose of our life in a sense, um, our is being, being a part of God's work uh, in terms of transforming hearts and souls for Jesus. And so in some ways, as Sarah, that you have s at times seen fruits in this journey, um, what is it that in your life, I guess, maybe has brought you to a point where this is even something important to you? Um, because obviously there's a lot of Catholics out there, a lot of Christians out there that while they would say that they're believers, while they would say that they love Jesus and believe in God, uh, this is not necessarily a priority um, in their lives. It's not necessarily something that they're spending a lot of time or pastime doing so what is it in your life maybe if you can point to any any particular moments events relationships people um that kind of have brought you to where you are besides jesus and the holy spirit why don't you just leave her the most open-ended question <laughs> whatever i didn't say hey can we hear about your entire life from 
This your is good. earliest me memory. Your earliest just memory. That's what talk. I like to do. Talk. I ramble for a while, so that way they're prepared there to know go. what they're going to say. And ask them the most open-ended question ever. Why don't you just tell us everything about everything, <laughs> and specifically in the areas of everything? Is that what I said, Bill? I don't think so. <laughs> or just go, hey, once again, tell me how I... Influence you. <laughs> I'm not going to push you into a particular area, but it, uh, any particular If you could m- talk moments. about me, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's not um, true. No, thanks, Father. I, um, geez, I don't know exactly where to go. I think there's, there's three significant things that I can say would be um, stand out to me in my desire to share the gospel. Um, one of those would actually be my, you know, the, the primary relationship that we begin with, God willing, with a mother and a father. And as my faith journey has um, come to fruition in a lot of ways, I would say that my understanding of my, the love that the God the Father has for me came um, in a very fruitful way from my parents. I probably didn't give them the credit that they deserved um, and I'm look and have been sharing that with them more as I've become an adult. But the reality that their love for me was was sincerely unconditional, um, and so my imagery of my relationship with God has always been pointed towards the image of God the Father and this love that um, I am cherished. And I think that that has set a foundation for me to realize that we live in so, in a in a time period specifically that there's that's almost an uncommon feeling for people that they are cherished and they are loved beyond their wounds beyond their sinfulness beyond their mistakes beyond that we identify ourselves so often with what we've done wrong or um, how we've been hurt or those kind of things and and I was really um, given the blessing in a home that despite you know the times where I fell short that love wasn't lacking. And so that was really, I think, the foundational piece for my faith, growing into, you know, leading back to where Father said, uh, meeting at Benedictine College. Um, I would say that Benedictine, um, my faith came to an authenticity. Um, there was just a reality of taking the common thoughts that I had about faith or what I thought may, I grew up in Chicago, um, so coming to Kansas was a big eye-opener, but I had this real <clears throat> dichotomy, I like think. Like you didn't realize the place could be as amazing. That's as, right. As <laughs> There's the, no yeah. place like home. <laughs> um, I think I had this real, um, I guess I would call it my conversion moment, um, for lack of a better word. Of I came to Benedictine to play basketball, and that was kind of my primary focus. I was... You know, I was an athlete. I was going to become successful in that. I was going to be a good student. But I had this experience um, realizing that I had a group of people who could help me run in that direction from an athletic standpoint, but there wasn't really a desire to know me. Um, it was more my what my gifts were in that realm. And then I had an experience with people who were in the faith and desiring to know who I was and what my wounds were and what I loved and what I was passionate about. And um, and that dichotomy of experience drew me authentically into the Catholic Church um, where people, you know, Father, you were part of that. Um, there's a lot of people that come to mind. But specifically, 
<clears throat> this is great for college kids to hear, but my RA was um, very influential in my life in, you know, just kind of being the person, Sarah Rodemaker, Sarah Shinstock uh, now, yeah. um, being the person who was just a face of God of saying, hey, let's just talk about it, you know, um, and inviting a genuine personal invitation to, hey, do you want to join us? And I think that that's a huge part of my um, evangelical approach at this point is personal invitation, um, getting FaceTime with people, not FaceTime like social media <laughs> FaceTime, phone. but um, not just sending a text invite, not just sending, but, you know, personal face-to-face invitation. Um, and that's what I experienced in that kind of that transition of authenticity into my faith was people who genuinely wanted to know me, wanted to spend time with me, wanted to invest their lives in me. Um, and that was really the, the formation of getting into focus and wanting to do that for other people. And so that focus journey, I was a missionary for two years, um, 2003 to 2005. And then I've continued to kind of work those same principles in the parishes that I've been at and now um, almost officially going back to work for focus starting this year. So um, it's kind of been a 20 year journey here of figuring that out and, and how to help other people to understand how to invest their lives in others at the parish just in what they're doing in their everyday so so just a couple of words of like for the for our listeners in australia um who <laughs> maybe aren't quite down on what on the, land, <laughs> on lingo. the lingo like what what exactly is focus i mean i don't uh, yeah so focus the fellowship of catholic university students started um, in 1998 at benedictine college um, and ultimately they primarily go on to college campuses and um, invest their life for missionaries usually into a campus and invest their lives in the students to bring them the truth about Jesus Christ and his church. Um, they do that primarily through small group Bible studies, one-on-one discipleship relationships, and then large group uh, leadership opportunities, mission trips, those type of things. Um, it's grow, grown exponentially since I was working with them, um, but seeing great fruit in this method, they, you know, they don't have the coin on the market in evangelization, but they, you know, claim just the reality that they do what Jesus did, that they model the method by the master and they invest their lives in other people and hope that they can teach other people to do the same thing. Sweet. It's, it's so interesting to me. You keep saying invest your lives in other people. And even in like the coaching realm, you know, what separates good coaches from bad coaches is those that actually invest in their players. And it's such a big deal. Um, but I think definitely on the church side of it, I mean, I don't think we talk about that enough. But as you've said that several times, it's really hit me, as you say, like, you know, part of evangelization is getting to know the person first before you can bring them the message of Jesus. And same way you see it in the Gospels all the time, you know, meeting the needs of food or shelter or something and then bringing the gospel. Uh, I think we forget that a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It just hit me as you said that a couple times. Like, I mean, we just as a society – do not invest in the people around us very much right now. And I don't know. That's yeah. true. There's this negative perception of what evangelization is and that that it's sort of this proclamation of Jesus Christ on the street corner and on, you know, just just kind of shoving it through media down people's yeah. throats. And that's ultimately that's just not successful. It's when they come to know Jesus Christ and you as an individual most times in human ways first before you're actually before you're actually even talking about faith that they're actually seeing elements of jesus christ working in you in the way that you 
play basketball, <laughs> which is a bad example for all for of us. <laughs> <laughs> Or just the yeah the way that you can talk about the things that you love and the, and the pat you know the things that you are intrigued by and interested in and it just comes through I think yeah because I'm I'm writing up a, a deal because we're about to bring the communities and house systems into TMP and one of the things is talking to people about investing in each other and uh, you know just how little we actually try to get to know the people around us and how little we try to actually I don't know give them our energy or our time, which is probably the biggest thing that we have now. Absolutely. And yeah. it's amazing. I think that's where some of the places that are doing great have it is that investment of other people. But Yeah, as Sarah was talking, I had the same thought as you, Bill, that uh, yeah, a lot of the times the, the connections we make are not in the classroom. But uh, my wife is a great help in this, that as she uh, pushes me to uh, continue coaching and uh, as I take on more things that it, it really is those connections that we make in coaching. And this week was a really great week for me, not in the classroom, but I had many students stop by after after classes that uh, the, these connections continued after classes and then even after school. And I had a couple of students who stayed for, I think I had a, a uh, conversation that lasted for an hour or an hour and a half after after school and it was just it was absolutely awesome that uh, they wanted to stay and just talk for a conversation for that long and uh, it wasn't anything they were forced to do anything that I, they got in trouble for they just wanted to have a conversation and that was really awesome and so anytime you have students who want to come in and just go hey we've got some questions we want to ask and you're building relationships outside of the classroom that's when you see things like that really start to connect and so yeah that, when you were talking I was hit with the same thing there yeah I think um, to reply to all of you guys, I think we oftentimes, especially Father, what you said, that we complicate evangelization. Um, and it is kind of oftentimes, I feel like, has a negative terminology for people when you first start to talk about it just with lay people. Just, well, I can't do that or I'm not, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I, you know, haven't had the training you've had. Um, and I think that that's my ultimate goal as I um, am starting to do more parish work is letting people take the pressure off when it comes to evangelization and simplifying, whether you use that word or not, it doesn't really matter, but simplifying um, the process for people, making it practical in your lives. That it, This doesn't have to be a necessarily, it, it can be and it will be if you invest in it in, ter in a very fruitful way, but it doesn't have to be a life-altering, I have to quit my job, I have to move to a foreign country, I have to, you know, oftentimes we think of evangelization and missionary life of like, your whole world stops and you have to go to a foreign land and um, but simplifying it into the respect of just being a, f being a friend. Um, we're losing our ability for relationship mm. because of media and technology and um, being so busy that we don't have enough time for people, which always makes me laugh because people are the essence of who we are. Um, and so just simplifying of being an authentic friendship, and you're not going to be able to do it with a lot of people. You know, there's kind of a joke that Jesus did it with 12 and he went camping for three years. Like, that was his public ministry. He didn't, you know, um, but he invested so deeply in this 12 people. And the other um, thing that just was profound to me that I heard the other day, that the most evangelized relationship in, in all time is Jesus and Mary. Because he spent 30 years with her just doing the ordinary. 
and making it extraordinary, just the everyday things that he did with her. Um, and that that's what we're called to do with the people in our homes, with the people in our classrooms, with the, the people we coach with, you know, and we may only be able to do it with two or three, but do it well, have them over, share meals together. Um, and that, and the heart of it, that's evangelization. It doesn't have to be complicated, um, but it can be very fruitful. Yeah. I, you just got me thinking, you know, I've been having this discussion with our seniors about you cannot lead people if you don't get to know them. And so, you know, I think there's always those class things where they kind of were the seniors and will tell you what to do, but they won't follow you unless you go hang out with them after practice at Wendy's or something, unless you talk to them in the hallways, unless you stay in the locker rooms with them a little bit and you build a relationship, that's the only way they're going to follow you. And it's such a, 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 a rare thing for young people to Absolutely. sit around. Like, you know, when I first started coaching, bus rides were awful. You, I mean, it was just like that was going to be the number one thing that ran me out was kids' noise on bus rides. And all you did was yell at kids all the time. Sit down, quit talking, keep it down. The bus driver get mad because it was whatever. And now buses are silent. Nobody talks. They're all on their phone. They're all in their own world. They may be playing a game with each other, but it's all on their phone. And people don't follow leaders because they haven't invested in the younger people. They haven't got to know them. There's no relationship. Same way in the church. Uh, I think we got lazy with evangelization at some point. We thought stuff like this and social media that we could just broadcast without getting to know the people we were sending it to. And we could just share stuff and people be like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll follow yeah, that. Yeah. But it really is not the formula that works. It's the formula that works is get to know them, invest in them, and then they will start to follow because of that personal relationship. And that's where I think I feel like people will get so overwhelmed. And I think you said something towards this, Sarah, that. I wish I could communicate better about how it's not it's not about yeah transferring your knowledge to somebody else necessarily. Like I don't care what people do in small groups. Like I've I've tried to communicate that and maybe that's not a healthy way to do it. It's like <laughs> do whatever you want because uh, obviously you need some guidance and some some direction, but as I get you know get together and listen to your 1990s playlist or whatever you know that you used to listen to in high school or get together I mean just the idea that you're getting together with others of the same faith sharing something of yourself whether it's hilarious or stupid or silly or um, like that is ultimately where evangelization starts where it begins where the relationships start so that you can eventually go deeper into where you know where is Jesus in your relationship or, or where isn't he and why isn't he there and why don't you feel him there and why isn't he in, uh, in all these different aspects? And, it, yeah, that stuff and the depth of that stuff cannot happen if we don't first. For, for the average person, I think their faith is pretty in-depth stuff, and they don't want to just go out there and share that with anybody. And if you don't have some sort of built-up or trusting relationship, they're not going to open up anymore in the world we live in, uh, which is why I think, some of that stuff that you're talking about, mess around, build the relationship. Now that I think naturally we want to talk about those sort of things, but we want to trust the people that we're going to talk about that stuff with. And so we have to wait until the relationship's right to actually open up on that. kind. Of, it's kind of like dating. I mean, when you first start dating somebody, I know you have no experience with this, but oh, the rest of please. us, <laughs> you know, you share just ridiculous, superficial <laughs> stuff. And then as you become more comfortable in the relationship, you start to get to the meat and potatoes of who you are, but it takes a while to open up 
And and I think now and day our kids take a lot longer to get to that point because they don't trust anybody and they don't build relationships very well uh, compared to the past. So I think it's even more difficult now. Yeah, I think I think, too, there's just this concept and it's overlooked so often. We talked about it at the beginning is especially young kids, but I see it in the parish um, as well. The personal invitation, you know, for a for a, a kid in high school, a kid in college, uh, father, you probably remember this when we were at Benedictine to have someone personally say, hey, I'm doing this. Um, I'm getting together at my house. We're going to have pizza hangout. I would love for you to come join me. You know, it seems so simple. It seems so nonchalant, like, well, that's no big deal. But we have lost such an element of relationship in our lives that for someone to be someone to acknowledge to you that you're important to me and I want you to spend time with me is crucial to the beginning of a relationship. And, you know, when we talk about small groups, you know, Father saying the content necessarily isn't, you know, what we're focused on. And I think that's true. I think there's, um, you know, on a simplistic level, first of all, the faith is something, obviously, if we're going to be desiring to lead a small group, chances are we're desiring to share something about God if it's related to the faith, right? So our relationship with Jesus Christ, our prayer life um, is ultimately, once we develop that prayer life, it's going to want to pour over into the people who are around us. So the formation of our own personal prayer life, then bringing people into small group through personal invitation, and then more important than anything else, what rests on that personal relationship with Jesus Christ is just friendship. It doesn't have to be content right away. I mean, God willing, we get to the content, we get to the truth, and we get to those challenging questions that are hurdles for people and keeping them away from the faith. But ultimately, just, yeah, sharing in life with one another. And that may look different for a lot of people. For you guys, it might be competitive basketball. For, you know, for that may be where it starts for, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it used to be. It used to be. It used to be. Before we were all broken down. (laughs) You know, um, for high school kids, it, it may be, I don't know, you know, hopefully we can try to formulate some small groups that aren't always focused around like video games or, you know, something that is yeah. technology related, but, um, you know, going for a hike, going, whatever the case may be, but just f- forming those authentic friendships and then praying intentionally that the Lord will provide opportunities for his message to be shared because he will, he will provide the opportunities. You know, as you're talking, I think something that really struck me was uh, part of why people have an issue with, I think, even starting these is we live in a culture that has a a real fear of rejection Mm -hmm. because we don't we don't know how to be rejected anymore. We're we're taught that it's everything's not our fault and, and and we can't be rejected because of that. Since it's not our fault, then if it's always somebody else's fault, then, you know, we can't have rejection. And so if, if we if we can't have rejection, then we, we shouldn't ever call anybody that we shouldn't try. Mm-hmm. And if because if we if we can't be rejected, then don't try it. And, and this is something that really pushed me. Uh, I had the I had the awesome opportunity to go and uh, be with you guys in Beloit for that uh, workshop, which was really great because it, it pushed me uh, as you guys know anybody who's listened to this podcast i do the least speaking because i'm with bill and father and, and, and they don't like to talk at all what does that supposed to mean yeah i don't, I don't 
don't know if you guys have noticed that. Well, we want people to but, stay engaged. Yeah, yeah, we're, that, we're, that's yeah what I think is. people <laughs> just enjoy people just yeah. enjoy listening to stuff that you know that, makes sense and is entertaining. Yep, and, uh, that's what it is. <laughs> 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 and so it pushed me out of my comfort zone uh, when uh, you guys challenged us to, at that day to, uh, to 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 cold call somebody. And, and I know, yes, you're not uh, you're not always asking people to do that. You don't have to just drop on the moment and go cold call people. But uh, even Father uh, cha- uh, has challenged some of us to do that, to, to go and start our own small groups. And that's something uh, that I recently did was uh, went and started my own small group. And I was absolutely amazed. I just started thinking of people that I just recently met. And every single guy that I called said, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that that sounds great. And I, I did, you know, obviously you're going to get some of those people that are going to say, no, you know, I don't think that's for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, w- I was really <laughs> amazed that every single young guy that, that I called so far uh, has said, uh, I think I'm up for that. So you'll be amazed that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to go and move. And if you do get rejected, so what? You know that, that's yeah. going to happen. That, what, can you imagine a, if we thought of so if we thought of the no, like the rejections or the no's as sort of the groundwork for a future yes? Like, I mean, if we actually yeah, exactly. had that kind of confidence, like that's the reality. Is you ask somebody and they say no to you at that point, guaranteed they're going to think more than once about that invitation and the fact that it came as a genuine thing and it's something that we don't experience a lot. And so it's just to me, you're setting the groundwork for the future as well. Um, and I think that has, I mean, how many, how many stories do you hear of people who came to their faith and it came not on the end, on the initial invitation, but it came, it came after being bombarded over and over and over and over and over and again. And finally they were right. worn down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And finally gave in. Kinda but yet, like but yet your dating exactly life now. Okay. <laughs> now, now we're going to bring back your dating life. My dating life. <laughs> <laughs> but finally me, it was just like, oh, okay, I got to go to but seminary <laughs> because I... Just keep getting rejected. But, but I mean, I think seminary is a perfect example of that. I of imagine people being rejected over and over. Well, and so they go. That, yeah. Uh, I know, but I imagine. In Bill's life, but because I, they just get tired of listening to it. Fine. That's Fine. true. That's right. I definitely wear people out. But uh, I imagine that the first time God called on your heart towards the priesthood, there oh, was a rejection sure. and then another rejection and another. Yep. And slowly after time and other people saying stuff and that kind of stuff you started to wear down a little bit i imagine for sure it wasn't and I, initial and i think sometimes we we talk about getting wear down but i i also think it's the reality of we can't change the desires of the human heart right and the desires of the human heart are to be desired right to be wanted to be cherished um and and we ultimately find that in our relationship with god it takes um humanity sometimes to get us there which thanks be to god that we have that, but I, I think less than being worn down, it's the concept of you ultimately just get to the place where your heart um, comes to fruition, right? Your heart is finally like, oh, wait, this is what I'm desiring, right? So it's it's the per- persistent call on our hearts, whether that's through a person, whether that's through a person who wants to date us and they continue to ask, whether that's through the Lord constantly or people who are suggesting, hey, I think you'd make a really good priest or a religious sister or whatever it is. And those are just like chipping away. But I think ultimately it's that softness and the genuine desire of the human heart that says, no, I'm, I want to be desired and this is 
the place that's calling me and telling me that I'm loved. And, and I think that's beautiful. Obviously, Father, you found that um, in the priesthood and the rest of us in, in the married vocation. But, um, yeah, sometimes it just takes the persistence of the people in our lives to say, yeah. The, there's a poem slash prayer that I loved and I first ran into in college called The Hound of Heaven. And it's sort of this, <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard of that, the, sort of this image of God as being the beloved, but as like a little, like a little puppy, a little dog that sort of, that sort of will follow you around and like nip at your, nip at your heels and constantly sort of, constantly sort of ask you for attention um, and, and not give up and just continually follow behind you and continue to, as, as we use the term hound, hound you. Uh, and that's how God works. And that's how, I mean, that's how successful evangelization works is that we're constantly inviting. This is why I think, you know, this day and age, if we were getting good at being evangelizers and going out and doing those things, I mean, I think, you know, like they say, the harvest is, is ripe because there are so many people out there that just want to hear the message of no matter what I do, no matter what I did, I am loved and I am valued just because of who I am. Um, Absolutely. And, and especially our young people, they are so fragile right now, constantly, you know, after a ball game or something where guys you know, maybe don't play very well or maybe do play very well. Just that understanding of like, hey, it doesn't matter what you did tonight. You're going to go home. Your parents are going to still love you. The sun comes up tomorrow. God still, you know, died for you on the cross. Kids don't understand that unconditional love necessarily, and they really want that. And I think it's not just kids. I think you could look at 20s and 30s and 40-year-olds right now that do all sorts of bizarre, weird stuff on social media in order for people to give them likes or to show some sort of value in them that I think if we were good at getting the message out of, hey, Jesus truly values you to the depths of your soul no matter what you do, I think people want that sure. message yeah i mean our identity is found in so many other things i have a very good friend she's actually a, a friend of ours from college um who's a principal at a high school and she said that um she has more kids in her office that come in this is a a public high school she has more kids in her office that come in in tears and hysterics and broken down and suicidal about the fact that they posted something and it didn't get enough likes or that people didn't notice it or whatever the case may be and um you know, that, that is heartbreaking to me, that that is what we're basing our identity on, um, is this false reality, you know, and even more so, and Bill, you're exactly right, that we are, the harvest is, is ripe, that we are just in a crisis of identity, and people just want to know they're loved. And so the invitation, just like you said, Cody, um, you were shocked, but the reality is, is that's going to happen more often than we think. When we invite, people are going to say yes because they're just looking for something to identify with. And if we can identify them with love and respect and the church and the love of God and authentic friendship and divine intimacy, like we're doing much better than the general population. So we need to be asking for sure. You know, the funny thing is, too, you, and this came out of that workshop that, once again, that I was at with you, is that uh, you said, don't get in the way of the Holy Spirit. Very often we prejudge people and we go, oh, yep. they would That's never say yes or no, they're not yeah. in the right spot. Yep. And, and that's the problem is when who are we to say they're not in the right spot? Uh, we don't know. And if, 
and that was a really beautiful thing that I uh, took out of that too is when you had people just you had people sit down and go just call somebody and ask them because you don't know and if the holy spirit has somebody on your mind uh, the, but you go no it would never work well <laughs> holy spirit says that it's gonna and yeah, yeah, and, and if you if you're sitting there being the one getting in the holy spirit's way then you're the one being that obstacle don't be that obstacle absolutely plus i mean volume shooting has worked for a lot of teams here <laughs> so let's be honest okay? <laughs> so, so it's not going to hurt to ask a lot of people uh. <laughs> volume shooting. Volume like shooting. You got to throw it out there. I mean, you can't. I mean, that's what we tell you. You cannot Bill. score unless you put the ball that's up. Right. And right. and the thing about it is, we cannot. Like we talked about, do you want to win? We cannot win souls for Christ if we don't ask people. And too often, or our if fear we, or if we don't use sports analogies, or if we don't or use <laughs> sports analogies. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Now, if I had to just come uh, off like a game, just a few whatever, hours like ago. that means anything. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it but I, I think three minutes to get to a sports analogy. Okay, but like I think there's a lot cast. of I think there's a lot of associations with it. Be- is, besides the is. basketball, and then also dating. Again, he talked about. I mean, how many people may have gone out with someone on a date, but you sat there and psyched yourself out, and you said, "Nah, she'll never say yes. No, she would never be interested in a guy like me. No." And and it's the same thing where. Again, you have no idea what relationship could have been there for you had you actually, you know, asked the question. And really, on the flip side, what is the worst thing? And, you know, I tell kids this all the time. What is the worst thing that happens? They say, no, you live. You're still breathing. Your parents still care about you. You still have a future. It's really not the worst thing in the world. But we have a perceived understanding of, like, time and all existence ceases to happen at that if moment. If we get rejected, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Bill and I are married. <laughs> I know. The proof is, is in that reality right there. Like, there we go. My and wife is laughing because even the I have the greatest fear of, of like rejection in the history of man, maybe. Like, I about made her before I, I tried to kiss her for the first time. She about had to, like, put a billboard up on the street that's like, <laughs> I will not reject you. So, <laughs> so she's laughing because I, I was horrible with that. But I would also uh, say we've all discussed this plenty that I have pride issues. And so I would say that people who struggle yeah. with rejection, it's a pride thing. Sure, um, yeah. But I, I think that, like Cody said, our fear of rejection, our own pride is getting in the way of bringing souls to Christ and asking people for that. So I don't know if it's helpful um, if we do a little practicals for people on small group or how to ask or um, just. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. So. I think it's uh, important because I think I get this question a lot when I'm working with people about like, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know, you know, even Father talking about content, like what do I lead? What if I don't know enough? Um, So, Father, I don't know if you have anything specific from the parish level of encouragement for your parishioners, but I would say, um, or even young adults, you know, a little bit of preparation. This goes right back to Father Saw <laughs> at the beginning. Um, having having a little bit of preparation for yourself will take some of the pressure off you. So like having a place to meet, having a little bit idea, at least for the first session, of what you're going to do, whether that's just a, um, you know, just a time for fellowship, that's fine. But having a little idea of what that is and a a time, obviously. And so when you're calling somebody with an invitation or you see them at a, at a basketball game, if we're going back to sports analogies, or you see them out in the community or whatever it is, see them after Sunday mass, that you um, 
take the pressure off yourself by handing a little plan in your invitation. So inviting them to a location, inviting them with a time, telling them, hey, we're going to go through this. We're going to meet during Lent. I'd love for you to be a part of it. Um, <clears throat> takes the pressure off you to know, like, what am I going to say? But also gives them all the information they need to show up and to be invested in. And so um, that might be the start here with a few weeks we have before Lent. Are we three weeks? Two and a half yeah. weeks before Lent starts. Um, I know Father in his homilies has been greatly encouraging these small Lenten groups. Um, so starting to have a little bit of a plan. And if you're confused or you need help, there's three men in this room who could help you with that um, that Father, idea or that conversation. Or Father, you want me to give you a little bit of time to think? Oh, why are you going to put me on the spot? What are you yeah, talking well, about? Well, she's putting you on the spot already. Yeah. Have you not been thinking? You've been spacing off, haven't you? I was thinking about when Lent is. <laughs> Great. Mar- March you have not been thinking March about March 6th. No, I know when it is, March 6th. Oh, do you? What has she been asking you? She hasn't been asking me. <laughs> yeah, actually she has. Things you about Parish, not. what you could encourage or what... Um, yeah, the assistance that we could offer. Yeah. Can you offer some? Yeah, you bet. We do. Uh, <laughs> formed is... Is it good? There's yeah. a huge resource that people can use, and it doesn't cost them anything, and it has great the ways study. to lead through. I think that's in your on your website. The uh, yeah, and it's in our bulletin every. It's in our bulletin every week, and it's on our website. Um, there's great, yeah, great material. On yeah, that there's so sure. many different resources on that. That I mean, and, and there's actually Q and A. Like there's Q and As that you can print off with each episodes of so many of the studies that they have on there, and which is extremely helpful. Uh, so you don't feel like you have to come up with your you, own questions and, and that kind of thing. You may have to spend some time in a homily, like actually talking about that a little Nuts bit. Nuts and bolts of that. Well, and just kind of lead them through and talk about how easy it is to say, let's just, we'll listen to this 15 minute segment and then we'll talk about it for a little while or something like, you know, give a format or something like you're talking about Father, so they can visualize it. About the- Sunday readings, yeah. you know, weekly for six weeks going through the Sunday readings. I know I'm, I'm not sure I'm formed. I know, but like on the Augustine Institute website, they have called, I think it's called Word for the Week or... Opening the Word. Opening the Word. Thank you. Um, that's on And forms. that goes... Way gets his that homilies. Goes on, that's, <laughs> I don't want people... That's on form. I don't too. want people tapping into that because then they'll have my homilies for the week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But I, I think so, that's, I think it's a good point. We could take yeah. a lot of stress off just by explaining the format. And then all of a sudden, as they visualize, yeah, that, that that I can do that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this concept of, oh, I have to have eight people. If you have two people that are willing to meet with you once a week for six mm-hmm. weeks, um, and you meet for 30 minutes over your lunch hour from work, or you meet for whatever it is, it's not a, it's not a formula that says, I, I have to have this amount of time, and I have to have this amount of people, and if I don't, then it's not worth it. You know? Three people, oftentimes the kind of conversation is going to come from that kind of investment and time together. Um, you're going to be able to go deep with those people. You're going to be able to learn about them, about their lives, about their families, about you know what their dreams are, what their hopes are, where they're at in their faith, what they're struggling with, how they've been wounded. Um, all of those things allow us those opportunities for the Holy Spirit to move in and to open up our hearts to the gospel. So, um you know, start thinking about, you know, I call it a depth chart. Start just writing down names of people in your life. They could be all different stages of life, but people in your life that you want to get to know better, people you know pretty well, but you'd like to spend more time with, and your lives don't haven't catered to that because of how busy you are. Make the time. 
I think it's here's an. I'm gonna go with a sports analogy. Well, she'd win with one too. I just want to point out. Depth chart. I mean, I'm, come I'm on. trying to. I'm trying to get you know come into the people that I'm working with. And. So often the excuse, and I was actually just talking to Tucker Mall about this the other day. Um, that's the excuse that people use for working out um, is well, or or to not do a particular type of workout, or I'm not gonna. Well, anyways. CrossFit to be one of them, but uh, one of the excuses will be like, "Well, I first I'll, I'm going to start working out on my own. I'm going to I'm going to get into shape, and then I'll start doing that." And it's the exact same way in our faith is like we use all kinds of excuses. Well, I'm not equipped yet. Uh, give me a chance to to be ready or be prepared. And the reality of it is, is it's precisely by the leading. It's precisely by the forming that you are created into a disciple as well. Like you, you are formed in discipleship through discipling in, in many ways. And I'm not saying just, you know, every idiot should <laughs> disciple necessarily. Well, but, but if you look at like, you know, I was just, we had the reading about uh, the calling of the fishermen. Um, I mean, yeah. that, that, that was their call right there. And they just learned how to Got disciple followed, yeah. exactly what you're talking about. It wasn't like they had some formal training and then Jesus said, okay, now that you're trained, you can come with me. Right. Right. And so that's the, the confidence that comes is that if, if we truly believe that the Holy spirit is a part of this journey and that God exists and is real, then it's amazing what he can do with fishermen <laughs> who are obviously not trained and equipped in fishermen, tax collectors. Yeah. And that was actually a big part of what took a lot of the stress off for me, too, was it's not about being a teacher in this. It's about yeah. forming authentic relationship. Absolutely. Cody paid attention. So. He, he did. He took notes and paid attention. You could tell. Some notes. That's good. Which is odd for me because I hated taking notes when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> this is about the gospel, man, though. It's all worth it. It's, it's different, yeah. It. It's all worth mm. it. Do we have time for another? Uh, we have a little bit of time left. We got about five minutes. So I've been thinking about this the whole time, and it kind of open. It might open a big can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Our favorite sort of thing. But it was actually part of what you originally said, Sarah, in your description of that which disposed you to discipleship, that which disposed you to a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is, um, and I don't remember the word that you used, and I think it was a especially powerful word, and it was something to the effect of. Uh, the love that you experienced from the example of your parents, but in particular the the love of your the love of your father. And I don't remember if you remember which which uh, adverb or adjective you used in terms of describing Un- that unconditional. love. Was it maybe just unconditional? Yeah, I'm not sure. Unconditional love. Cherished. It, cherished. I think that was the word. So <laughs> that you were actually cherished. And my concern with a lot of individuals that are turning away from faith, turning away from God, um, is if you don't experience that in your upbringing, in your home, it is 10 times, 100 times harder to actually ex- imagine a God that has this Absolutely. love for you. And I'm fearful that that's a huge part of where our culture is and what is wrong with our culture and where Satan is, is, is winning in terms sure. of the damage that he has done to divided homes, to separation of families. Because when you are in a home where that is not something that comes, and and it's very much tied into man and woman being the images of the lover and the beloved of the Trinity and how that plays out. And, and you know, 
<sighs> yeah, I mean, the breakdown of the family, um, like I was saying when I was speaking of my own experience, that is an uncommon experience that we find that people um, have this beautiful flourishing in their relationship with God because they don't have the barrier of not understanding being cherished, right? So for, for me to experience that has been um, a gift that is beyond all measure. Um, but I think that's even more so to draw this full circle. Why investment in people's lives and personal relationship and evangelization is so critical at this period we're in in the church um, because the only way they will find that if they're not finding it in their homes if they're not going to find it with their families these broken families and you know abuse or whatever's happening um, in their own lives the only place they will find it is in the love of Jesus Christ and if we don't bring it to them through our love for them through our cherishing them through our willingness to invest in their lives and want to know their dreams and want to know what you know makes them tick and how they move then they'll never get it Mm-hmm. And so this is this is a call in our hearts. It's not an option. It, it was given to us by the right of our baptism that we have a right and a duty to spread the gospel. And we can do it in such a way that is um, is somewhat simplistic, but it's just the concept of investing our lives in other people and wanting to love them like, like Christ loves them and giving them that experience because they may not get it anywhere else if they don't get it from us. Yeah, I was just working with some data, preparing for a presentation, and uh, you know, even at our school, which I mean, we are blessed to have a lot of families that are still together. For the last three years, the risk factors have gone up, increased in all the categories, and the home factors have gone down in all categories where kids identify with the safe and the love and all those sort of things. And so, you know, I put one of my notes on here is we don't have a choice. The world needs evangelized. Souls depend on it. And what you know, we've heard this week was that the suicide rate has gone up for the third time in a row this year. And the other thing is our average age life expectancy has decreased for the third time in a row. A lot of it has to do with the two things they say is suicide and then also the um, painkiller addictions um, are the two that are killing off young like people right now. Overdose. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things, I mean, we just, we don't have a choice. There's a ton of souls out there that if we don't evangelize to them, you know, suicide is a big deal or chasing alcohol, drugs, those sort of things to escape is going to be out there. And and none of us can sit by right now and not go do our baptismal call or at the end of mass. That's what, you know, go forth and spread the good news, go proclaim this to other people. Um, If we don't do that, then we're going to lose souls all over the place. And we just sit at a time and a place where, we, we just don't have a choice. The church has to get into that. It has to be through personal relationships, and it's on all of us. We can't just say, well, someone else will take care of that. Sure. No, you have personal relationships with people right now. We need you to go invest in those personal relationships, and everybody does that. We'll be okay. But too often we just sit there and say, well, someone else will take care of that yeah. for us. Or that's the priest's job. <laughs> yeah, that's the priest's job. It is, well, and Father, <laughs> as you asked that, wait, and I'm supposed I don't, to do stuff. I've That's asked ridiculous. Bill. I don't know if he's watched it yet. Have you, have you watched Father Mike Schmidt's? It's 44 video minutes. I know, you, it, and I know you don't have the patience for it. Which but, one? From um, Seek. From Seek. Uh, I've shown all of my anti, classes. Anti-fragile anti, faith. Anti-fragile faith. No, no. The the um, 
the one about mass, praying oh, the mass. Yeah. So That's in solid. it, there's this there's this really beautiful part where he asks everybody who are almost all the prayers directed to, and the crowd says God, and he says, well, yeah, God, but which which one of the members of the Trinity? And they say God the Father, and he says, yeah, but when he answers, he says Dad. He says almost all the prayers are directed to Dad. And when he says that, it's a beautiful moment because he connects our thoughts to how personal of a relationship we as Christians have with our Father. And so your question goes to, yeah, we a lot of people don't know how to respond to that because of their relationship with a broken Father on this earth. And so when they go to Mass, they might not have that relationship. Or... When you know other people like Bill, like you're talking with with these broken relationships, or just uh, you know these different things that are going on uh, with their lives, you know they might go into mass and they might not have this connection, and, and so um, we have to be the ones that draw them back in, show them the beauty of the mass, show them what's going on, show them that they have a father, and then give them that connection so that they have this. Okay, I've got something to hope for. Yeah. Uh, I- I, I have to even deal with this in basketball, too. Like, I mean, there's kids, different backgrounds within our locker room, and there's kids I've got to say, like, hey, it doesn't matter if you had a good game or a bad game. I love you the same. It doesn't matter. You're as valuable to us as you were if you scored 30 points tonight or if you scored no points tonight. And you can tell that those kids it's just kind of one of those, like, oh, really? I don't have to just perform well in order to be liked? And, you know, you can just tell with some of the people that, you know, we have to reaffirm that message of unconditional love because they don't have it at home. And in these relationships, we have to show that to, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to see kids that think their value is based on how they performed. And there are so many people out there that are like that. Mm-hmm. Good game, everybody likes me. Bad game, nobody likes me. Uh, what, a, what a tough way to live life. I mean, mm-hmm. but that's what everybody's out there with. And I think that, yeah, that's something that I am working with actually a, a few women in the parish right now. Um, this concept of even in our prayer life, right? Like we feel like we have to perform, mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately all the Lord wants from us is to show up. He just wants us to show up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing if we're bringing it full circle for today with small groups, people just want the invitation and all we, we desire is for them to show up and, and the rest, the Lord can take care of. If we get out of His way, the Holy Spirit, um, and and cut them loose, that He'll He'll work, you know. And um, it's the same thing in our relationship with God, giving people the invitation, giving people this message that you have a Father. You may not have, you know, the best situation on earth, but you have a Father in heaven who loves you, and and your identity is found in the fact that you're His child. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I th- I think it can be a super hopeful message, and um, it's hard to not focus on all the stats that we see, right? Mm-hmm. But the message is there, the hope is there, um, the truth is there, and so just being a witness to that. I, I, well, I always good. use the, I point at a crucifix, I'm like, you guys are all literally to die for, and of course everybody's like, oh, what a, you know, roll their <laughs> eyes and stuff. But I think at the end of the day, that's a message we gotta keep getting out there, is like mm-hmm. each of you individually are worth it. was worth that right there. Yeah. And uh, if we keep that in focus and bring that to people, I think that will help them. Yep, I think we started with cherished and ended with cherished. There you go. Beautiful, thank you. <laughs> thanks be to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> thank you all for uh, thank you all for joining us. Thank you, 
Sarah for joining us as well yeah, and helping us in the Hayes parishes. And, and uh, I know you guys are doing a great job in Beloit and we hope to emulate some of that here. It'll all be on Father Jarrett's shoulders. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's the priest's job. It's the priest's job. It's the priest's job. <laughs> okay. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and thank you as we glorify your name. Glory be to the Father, Father and, and to the, the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit. As, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without, without end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.